ESPN's The Far Post podcast. It feels like it's been a little while since we've had a chat, but we've got two Tilly's games to dissect right now, and we cannot wait to talk a little bit about what we saw from the Matildas. Before we get into that, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. But for today's Matilda's debrief, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian-Wilk, Sam Lewis, and Anna Harrington. We're cracking straight into the chat. Things we love to see will pop up naturally in this conversation, but I think we've had our two games, we've had two wins. It's very, very good and exciting and important because wins are nice. I don't care what anyone says. It's really, really nice to have some wins under the belt. We put some questions out for you guys on Twitter. You replied, so we will try and get through as many of them as we can. Hopefully we just answer them even without mentioning them. But the first one, and it's kind of the best way to start this chat, is from Lewis who asked, did we actually learn anything new? Did we, Anna? Yeah, we can play Katrina Gore as a six and it's great. Um, I think we knew she had the capability. She's a technical player. She's a smart player. She's great in tight spaces. Probably to New Zealand's detriment, they let her have too much time on the ball in the first game in particular, which personally wouldn't do against a player as classy and as smart um, and skillful as Katrina Gori. But traditionally, she's been used, and fair enough, in attacking roles as a 10 because we know she loves a long shot. We saw that in particular in that first game when we were really peppering the New Zealand goal to little effect. But we're... She, she stood out was as that playmaking number six. Um, obviously not been used in the past because Elise Kellen Knight used to be our, our go-to um, creative number six. But just it just seems like the perfect choice of player to have in there. Um, she complements the other midfielders there. We've got a wealth of options, I think, to play as sort of eights and tens. And um, Katrina Gorey fits into that group, but she just looks in far more valuable, I think is the way I'd put it. As a six, she dominated that first game. I don't think anyone could disagree with that. She was everywhere. Um, she was a class above. Um, at the start of the second game, it might have been Olivia Chance putting a really big physical challenge on her right at the start of the game. I think they clearly had a bit of a, a talk about maybe not letting her just dictate the game and do what she wanted, um, but she was still very influential. And I really liked what we got to see in terms of some different midfield combinations. Obviously, not the whole time we did see you know, a lot of Emily... Emily Van Egmond, but um, in that second half of the second game where we saw Claire Wheeler and Alex Chidiak come on, we got a real indication of what can happen when you have two players um, or just players who really want the ball. Um, friend of the pod, Ante, you could just said this really well. Two players in, in Chidiak and Gori who love to be on the ball, who love time on the ball, to do things with it, to create, to um, dictate play, to make things happen, which I think is something the Matildas really needed. Um, rather than maybe being passive in midfield and players show really good intent and it, it seems to work because I know Sam's touching it before and we saw it at Sydney FC Claire Wheeler suits being a bit further up the pitch as well while we know she can play six it, it just worked it worked really well I thought it was a good move it's not one we've usually seen and of course when we get to to playing some really top opposition which has been flagged later in the year Gori's going to be tested which is good she'll be playing in Sweden she'll be playing week in, week out, um, top-notch return, obviously, from pregnancy. We knew that she was going to impress given she came off. Or we knew that she could impress given her season in the A-League women after coming back. But um, I don't think anyone expected her to, to pull out a performance like that that makes a lot of people go, well, well 
maybe this is the shakeup we need. Um, and we'll probably delve into it a bit more. But I do wonder if what comes of this is, I know she had an assist in one, a great assist in one game and a goal in another, whether we see Emily Van Egmond start to become more of a luxury player, start to become more of an option off the bench when te- against teams who are tiring because she can play a killer ball, she can score goals, get in the right places. But for me, you wonder with, with Gori as a fix, do you start to look at players like Chidiak and, and Wheeler that have that energy and that burst or even a, a Chidiak and a Yolop, all these players that have got a lot of energy and then see what happens. Um, Sam, you were there in Canberra, especially. We were all... Um, I guess, watching from home for the game in Townsville. But what did you learn? Yeah, the question, I think what Katrina Gorey brings now is a different dynamic in terms of how we actually make up our midfield and what our best midfield Mm. is against certain kinds of opponents. And the particular issue for me now is how, as you mentioned, Harry, how Emily Van Egmond fits into all this. Because in that first game in particular, Gorey was so good, and really in the second game too, that Van Egmond sort of faded away. And she almost wasn't needed because Gori was so creative and she was doing so much of the stuff that you would expect a Van Egmond to do that she just wasn't really needed there anymore. And I think particularly in the second game, not sure why, whether it's a fatigue issue or whether it's, you know, it's maybe a confidence thing, but Van Egmond, like next to Gori, looks half half a moment off the pace. She just looks a little bit too slow with everything. And I think coming up against the kind of teams that we're going to be coming up against in a World Cup scenario, you can't be slow in midfield. You can't be a slow decision maker. You can't be a slow defender. You can't, you can't be slow to react to things. You have to, you have to be at the speed that Gori showed that she was at against New Zealand. But maybe as well, that's by virtue of the fact that it was New Zealand and New Zealand gave us more time and more space on the ball because that's how they come at teams that are higher ranked than they are. Um, and so the, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really curious now, if this is how we play against a team like New Zealand, how are we actually going to play against a team that presses us more, a team that likes to hold the ball more than we do. And a team that has a much more dominant midfield, perhaps even formation wise, statistically, like they, they set up in a way that, that over, overwhelms us in the four, three, three. So I think that's a really, that's That's going to be a sort of a key lesson to learn. I don't, I still don't necessarily think Gori as a six is the best option because I think she offers so much going forward that I would prefer to see her used as she was used at Brisbane Raw in that sort of more box-to-box kind of role, having someone sitting deeper like a Louis Gora Wheeler to really clean up that sort of stuff. And you did see in the second game that when Gori had two players on her, she got overwhelmed a lot and she lost the ball and all of a sudden our fullbacks were dropping backwards. So I think that that's a but like, this is good, right? Like, cause this is, this was a question that we were asking and Gori is now providing a different, um, a different consideration that's going to make Tony and the coaching staff think uh, about midfield with a different facet to it now. But I do think a, a second thing that we learned was particularly in the first game that the Matildas are slowly, but surely learning how not to panic when things get stressful because when we were facing a 1-0 loss against New Zealand, they, they, they could, in front of a home crowd with all of the weight that comes with being a Matilda now, because this is just what they're in, you could, sort, you could see them wanting to resort to those old habits of theirs, the habits we saw at the Asian Cup, the habits of bomb along to Sammy and hope for the best. But 
what we saw instead was two goals that they kept pushing for. They were two goals that were different. They were one, one in particular, I think was the, the cross back, the cutback from Ellie Carpenter to find Emily Van Egmont coming into the box. Like Carpenter sort of over crosses, I feel, but that in that particular moment in stoppage time, she stuck to her guns. She drove to the byline and she cut backwards towards the penalty spot because she knew that Van Eggers would be there. So, and then that, and then the second goal as well was a different kind of goal altogether. So knowing that they are capable of doing that in a stressful situation like that in stoppage time against a team that they were expected to beat, you know, where have we heard that before? but they were able to pull it off. And I think that's something important that they were going to be taking into the next couple of friendlies as well. Sam, I like that you mentioned that second goal against New Zealand because I've described it to a couple of people in footy terms as Sam Kerr getting front and centre. Normally when you see a ball coming, like a cross coming in, looking for the head, Sam Kerr's in that pack of players, right? Especially against South Korea, you've got multiple players. Well, we'll just body Kerr. If she gets a header, she's got to pull off a really good one to do it. But she was smart enough to stay out of the pack and stay down and then obviously came in like a fucking traction engine and just smashed it home. Um, but it was, it was in, in AFL terms, you'd call it like crumbing. She just waited for the fall, effectively the fall of the ball and was in the right place at the right time, lost her marker, all that sort of thing. And it was, mu- it was much smarter than her just jumping amidst the pack and trying to beat multiple defenders. It worked well. I like that you mentioned the, the Van Egmond um, goal as well. It's kind of similar to the um, Olympic qualifiers one, right, where Kaya Simon had the presence of mind to to lay it back. And I think it's important that they're not getting into bomb it long to Sammy, as you as you say, Sam. It's um, yeah. It, it, I think having a player like Gori, and I, I agree that she's not going to be the answer every time. At times, you're going to want a more. Um, I'm not going to say aggressive because Katrina Gori can be very aggressive but a more classic um cutting out pass and style sticks which is something that wheeler can do very well or very real tempo player like ivy lewick is clearly also being used as a backup center back um but i think that that calmness on the ball and being a bit smarter with it um yeah it was was important it was it was interesting i was talking to a friend of the pod joey lynch about this and we're saying that the first game almost showed how much australia can can dominate a game and put everything together bar the scoring but the second game was almost the one they needed to have in terms of it wasn't quite so pretty and dominant but they got the goals and they got them early and they took the pressure off themselves um and they maybe proved to themselves they could do it um the other one was Hayley Razzo scoring that fantastic goal on her non-preferred I feel like we've not really seen the best of Hayley Razzo in a Matilda shirt a lot of her best form has come at club level um she seems to score and assist quite easily for Man City and previously for Everton and previously for Brisbane. But she had a down, I think even she'd say she had a down Asian cut by her standards was barely, barely involved. It clearly didn't work out for her. But to see her up and about, I think she, the Matildas named her their player of the match for the second game. Um, she was buzzing. She was, you know, doing all the things that we know she does. But that finish was something that we haven't really seen from Razzle. You couldn't get much more pinpoint from that. It was, um, I know it was the, the Gory blocked pass and she was just so instinctive and just drove it home really. Like, and that's the thing that's been missing from her. And especially when we talk about getting goals from other avenues, um, you know, just want it to be, to be Sam Kerr. Um, and that's said, they did, they did also butcher some opportunities in the second half. It could easily have been more. Um, I guess we still know it's not something we learned. That, that soft underbelly defensively is still there. The Hannah Wilkinson goal, the mix-up, poor from experienced players. Um, Angela's just throwing her hand up here. You, 
it has to be cleaned up. Like New Zealand punished it and teams like a Spain, for example, or other European teams will, will pick apart those openings far more often and and exploit them. So again, but we know that <laughs> those are just brain fades and mix up, but you've got to get those out of the game as well. I suppose that's also the thing if we don't have, I don't know, when I look at the number six options that we have, it, it is very positive that we're expanding and we're adding to that. And, you know, we, we've even got players who've been tested there, but maybe haven't had, like with Katrina Gori, she got put there and she impressed right off the bat. Whereas some people, like I'm thinking Kara Cooney Cross is like, not, I don't want to see her as a future number six, but she's like one of those players that you could have in in your toolkit maybe if you needed, but we still don't have that one player where you're like, this is the blueprint, especially defensively. Um, Because, yeah, when you were talking about Gori initially and and Sam covered it as well, my first thoughts were like, it will be great to see her as a six in a game with more pressure. Um, Because she does, she is, she does have the feral about her, which could lend itself to the role, but perhaps, yeah, not, yeah it could be a slightly different story I don't know I was yeah like everyone very impressed with Gory but I was gonna say on the topic of defense just shout out to New Zealand's defense that first game especially Claudia Bunge who had like the night of her life and um Victoria Essen had a standout performance as well which a lot of people noted it seems to be I can't remember who tweeted it but someone noted that it seems to be a thing that keepers will just rise to the occasion and stun everyone playing against the Matildas referring to those US friendlies one billion years ago um but yeah it's really positive I guess for New Zealand I mean we are meant to be talking about Australia but I've been very impressed in how far along their defense has seemingly come it's also quite uh, young, like there's some youngsters and yeah, Claudia Bunch, that's a real positive and I just want to credit that to Melbourne Victory. Also, what we learned, Kayla Morrison on the comms, more of that, double thumbs up, love that. She was excellent um, and made strong fashion choices as well, which we, we love to see. It, the fit, excellent. Anyway, um, what, what did I learn? Oh, my thing that I learned is I have not been paying enough attention to FAWSL because Caitlin Ford... Amy, friend of the pod, Amy, I should have listened to you. She is back in form and we love to see it, um, I think. Or she's like, get in there. And I'm really keen to see more of her playing for the Tilly soon because I feel like she's finally bringing back those things that we love about her style of play and the strings in her bow that are so important, I think, in diversifying the Matilda's attack. We're seeing more of that from Caitlin Ford and we saw that over these two games. So I was really, she's one of my, when she's informed, she's one of my favourite players to watch. So that was great to see. Um, same with, and in, on the FAW yourself thing as well, Hayley Rasso has obviously had a screamer. So that's what I learned. I should be paying more attention. But <laughs> that Hayley Gwimmer season was so tiring, guys. I could barely keep up with that. I promise I'll pay more attention soon. Get some sleep, Angela. Um, I like that you mentioned Caitlin Ford. I'm going to pinch Marissa's bit here. Um, obviously played her 100th game for the Matildas in the first game when she came off the bench. Um, but I really like this line that Melissa Barbieri said in an article for Keep Up about Caitlin Ford in the lead-up. And she said, 
Caitlin Ford is a player who lets those around her shine. And I hope that on the occasion of her hundredth cap that she gets to enjoy the spotlight because Caitlin has made a career out of helping those who play around her look good. I just thought it was so apt and so well said um, and so accurate because she's so good at drawing out defenses. She makes such smart runs. She can, be so good on the ball and we know what she's like when she can cut in and roll over the ball and just cause all sorts of havoc and she's such a weapon and as you say Angela hopefully we'll see both she and Hayley Razzo really hit top form um, for the Matildas alongside Sam Kerr because when we're multi-dimensional um, that's ultimately ultimately a good thing. Um, one thing I am curious about and Sam I, I'd like your opinion on this is just really what we learn in terms of what comes next because it, it was a really weird vibe after that first game because despite arguably playing the best they've played under Tony Gustafsson. Um, obviously, the Matildas were trailing 1-0 for most of that match. You could see the knife sharpening. You could see um, people were, understandably, um, not happy because, you know, as much as you can say, we're peppering the goal, it's 30-something shots to to three or whatever. They look like they weren't going to get the job done. At the end of the day, we've they've managed to pull a really snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, 94th and 96th minute goals off the top of my head. And then we're a lot more comprehensive in the second game and really controlled that game and probably could have won more than 3-1, but New Zealand sort of stabilising a bit. I guess my question to you is where are we actually at? Are we seeing, have we settled? Um, because obviously the Asian Cup we've talked about, we don't need to go back over it. It was a failure. Um, but was this where we started to see some settling and something that can actually be built off is my question. Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a question I think most people are probably asking, but it's important to keep in mind that the Matildas had one training session together before they, that first game in Townsville because of the nature of international travel, because of players arriving late, they actually couldn't get together properly and do all this sort of laying down of principles, fine tuning little things kind of stuff until basically the last minute. So the fact that they dominated the way that they did I think is actually even more impressive by virtue of those difficult circumstances. And what I reckon where I think we're at now, Marissa and I sort of chatted about this um, on the drive back to Sydney as well. It sort of, it feels like this is how things have always meant to be. It was, it was almost, it wasn't boring, but it was almost like, Oh, okay. So this is just going through the motions. Now this is just a team playing together, figuring out combinations, trying to figure out the style of play that they want um, and and demonstrating the different kinds of principles, as the, all the players said in their post-match interviews as well, that Tony is wanting from them. Uh, but because the last, like, two years have been so chaotic for the Matildas and results have been so a roller coaster, it feels like this period now is, like, a, an outlier because it's just normal, you know? Like, we've, we've become so accustomed to them just fluctuating massively that all of a sudden when it's something fairly standard we're like what is going on what is this how do we understand this because our yeah our window has sort of shifted but I think what is next for the Matildas now is because these two games showed us that they are capable of playing in the kind of uh, I guess the elementary ways that Tony has been talking about that they're wanting to diversify their uh, the way that they approach the goal. They are wanting to try and shore up a midfield and have uh, different kinds of combinations that they're wanting to um, solidify, I guess, the defence as well. What I want to see next is to play this way against a better team because it's New Zealand. And Agreed. I think what other people are going to say is that come the next games, if we don't do well in them, people will perhaps reflect back on these New Zealand wins and be like, yeah, but it was only New Zealand. 
you know, like they won't actually assess the performances themselves. They'll assess it by virtue of the opponent, which is kind of what we're doing here as well. And that's necessary because that's context. But I think that we need to play this way and show these same uh, principles and show even perhaps these same statistics or similar against a team that is both different and better than New Zealand because we know New Zealand, we know the way that they play. We went into these two games knowing that they would be on the back foot, that they would be defensive, that they wouldn't hold the ball and that they would struggle with creating attacking opportunities, which they really, really did. They happened to capitalise on the very few that they had, but they really, outside of those opportunities, didn't really do much. And so because of that, we probably went in with a particular kind of mindset and we were able to play a certain way. But I would like to now see us play against someone who we know we struggle against and someone who we know we need to prove a point with. So I think someone like Canada, someone like Germany, someone like probably outside of South America, because we've sort of, we've played a Brazil, we've played a Chile, you know, we sort of know what they're about already. Um, even like another Sweden, you know, I'd love to see some really big hitting teams who are all going to want to come to Australia as well to play friendlies because they're preparing for the World Cup next year too. Um, and to actually see how we execute these principles against those kinds of opponents. To me, Sam, it kind of feels like we want to see what maybe what we're about to see is maybe what we should have seen at the start of Tony's tenure. Like we should have seen in hindsight, I know they say, oh, but playing the tough teams got us well set for doing well at the Olympics. But also they had to do a lot of hard work to come back from shipping 10 goals in their first two games. Like that is not a good platform to start from. You go in hindsight, would it have been better to have something like this? This where you go, I know that COVID and all that played a role, where you go bang, bang against New Zealand, or maybe not a little bit of a bang, then a bigger bang against New Zealand, and then you build a platform and you can go and play these tougher teams. In hindsight, maybe, yes, that would have been better, but I think you're spot on. They've got to show that they can execute this um, against, to be fair, bigger fish, like bigger teams. Um, I know that Spain is one that everyone talks about because they're so good possession-wise and they could well cut us apart. But if you want to see is um, we know there's a lot of love for um, Katrina Gorey at six um, from many of our friends of the pod. We know that there's a lot of love for what some of these midfielders can do. Can they do it against the best in the world? Can they go toe-to-toe with these really good midfielders? Can our defence hold up under pressure? And can we create chances and not revert to bomb it long to Sammy and see what happens? Because that's not going to hold up against good teams. So I imagine they'll try and play England at some point. Um, these teams, I don't think South America is going to happen because their qualification is in Copper America in um, in July. So they're, they're all full steam ahead on just trying to qualify. So I think European teams are going to be the go. Um, and, we, yeah, we've got to see can they do this against good teams. And I, but I do think we do need to keep seeing some of these fresh faces because I thought we got a lot out of it. I felt like, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this, I thought Alex Chudiak did in that game what Claire Wheeler did with her cameo in Newcastle laid down a marker and said, no, I belong. Um, I belong at this level. Um, the talk was the players found out about this Matilda squad before the A-League Women Finals kicked off. And I felt like, I think I've said this, Chidiak played in the final series. I don't know if she did have one, but she certainly played like a player with a chip on her shoulder and something to prove. We always learn that she's technical, she's skillful, she can score and create, but she was just an energizer bunny. She was everywhere, like working hard, getting everywhere, um, here we go, taking games by the scruff of the neck, like running the show, like being, thank you, everyone, like being the player we know she can be and keeping that intensity. And I think Tony might have alluded to that a bit in his um his post-match on Channel 10, that, you know, she how much she's impressed in, in this camp. And we, I think we've got to see more of that because we know what she can do on the ball. 
we know how smart she is and how she can complement other players. And to be honest, the more midfield depth we get, the better. And I think we, yeah, we didn't score goals with that change up in midfield, but it offered a change of pace. It offered it, as you said earlier, Sam, a different option, a different look, something that can tackle different types of teams, players who are technical, who want the ball, who want to do things with the ball, like to create, like to draw out defenses. Um, and if you have players like that, like Chidiak, like Wheeler, like Gorry, who will go and go and go, Tamiki Yellop also falls into that category then I think I, lo- I alluded to at the start, then you can maybe look at someone like a Van Egon that you can bring on if you need a goal with half an hour to go or, you know, if you need to turn the game in your favour because you know she can pick passes, you know she can score a goal and has the composure to do those things. But maybe she's not going to be the answer starting. Sometimes she will, sometimes she won't. But I think we're going to be in a better position overall if we have options <laughs> and changes. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you guys think because I've, Imagine I've got a bit of pro chids bias, but I thought when she came on, she showed she's at the level and should be in these squads every time from now on. I mean, I also have pro chids bias, so I can't really add anything that's not that, but I agree. And I was like very impressed. I don't know, maybe I'm just a bit of a pessimist, but I was expecting, for example, with Katrina Gori, I was just amazed at how impressive she was first game back. And I think that was the same sort of with Chids as well. I was like, I know she's good. I know what she can do, but she was, it was that thing. If she just slotted right in and as I tweeted, she attack, she impact, she Alex Chidiak. Um, and so it was fantastic to see that. Um, and, I, and just thinking about how, yeah, going back to what you were saying earlier, Sam, about, how energized she is looking at the sort of complexion of this team. I know we, I'd be interested to hear as well, because I think it was mainly actually both of you were probably with the view that this was quite a vanilla squad. Right. Um, And obviously then there was the change. Alex Chidiak was brought in and it's definitely changed things up a bit. And we definitely learned something really important by her being out, which is fantastic. And I'm glad that she got the opportunity. Um, But when looking at the complexion of this squad, it is such a, very fit. It's probably one of the fittest starting 11s or like group that we've seen. And so that does raise interesting points, especially when we look at our defense, we possibly, we have like Ellie Carpenter and Steph Catley, but I'm still like all of my questions. I've gone down the defensive hole. I'm sorry. I've completely derailed what you asked me, Anna, but the defensive thing, I'm still a bit like, what, what's the go there? What is the next thing? Because as you said, Sam, it's, that's going to be probably the area that's going to be more exposed when we come up against a team of a good quality. And I would disagree with you, Anna. I think it's interesting thinking about the, you know, how we started with those really hard games against top quality opposition. The circumstances were awful. But if we had played potentially like middle-in teams, that may have gotten the confidence of people a bit earlier on, but would it have gotten the confidence of the players in Tony and what he's trying to do, because there's a whole side of things that we're not seeing. So it is playing that battle of keeping people happy who are watching, keeping the fans happy, getting people on board with the project, but also being able to carry out what he is trying to do with this side. And I do think that playing those really top quality teams early on provides a good yardstick because we've now got these intervals where we can actually see if there's any progress. So next time we play, hope like someone like Netherlands or Sweden and England will be able to be like, oh, look how far we come. Hopefully. God, I hope so. Um, it's going to be really interesting. 
Um, but Alex Tudia, she's excellent. I loved it. Um, and I hope she comes back. But I'm still, I just have constant anxiety about the defence. Because, like, who's, sorry, that's just, that's that's how I exist now. Sammy, you're pro-chids. Of course I'm pro-chids. Of course I am. Of course I am. Now that we're in Matilda's context, of course I'm pro-chids. No, I, I agree with both. I think too, she was excellent when she came on. And I'm actually, I'm excited about the concept of a midfield of a Wheeler slash Lewick, a Gori and a Chidiac. Yes, because same. I think that they, I think that what they showed over these two games made Van Egmond redundant. And I also think they made Mary Fowler a little bit redundant as well. <gasps> I know that she's fabulous. I know that she's like the future or whatever, but this is now. And I think, I actually think Mary Fowler is not as good in midfield as she is as a striker. I think she may, could maybe take the spot of a Kaya Simon or maybe even a Ford or, you know, change up the formation, play a 4-4-2, have Fowler playing alongside Sam Kerr and having that kind of combo going on up there and having dropping it into midfield. Like there are so many ways to combine all these plays and that's the big challenge for Tony now. We have so many good midfielders, including ones that are meant to be the future of the team. How can you pack them all in to this one formation? I think formation is going to be something maybe we start to talk more about if we're wanting to move forward over the next couple of friendlies um, because that may be able to facilitate the use of all of these fantastic players but at the same time if you've got someone like a Fowler on the bench and Sammy is not really getting that many opportunities bring her on bring on a Gilnick you know bring on someone different somebody offers something else because that is what opposition teams are not going to expect so, but I, I'd like to think the next couple of windows, we'll see Chidiak and Gori again. We'll see them get more minutes together again, because I think the two of them offer different kinds of attacking momentum. And I've, I've mentioned this in the tweets as well, like a short passing game that the Matildas have really, really needed rather than pinging long balls and trying to use their aerial presence and use their athleticism. Those two players offer something that's almost the polar opposite of that. And these two games have shown that it's actually what we need. And Sam, just to short wrap what you're saying there, sometimes you can't fit all the good players in one functional 11, right? Sometimes it's not about just let's, and I, I don't know, I feel like maybe the Matildas would have been guilty of this at times, especially when you look at maybe your fan 11s and that. Sometimes you just can't shove all the good players in one 11 and make it work. You've got to have something that's functional. You've got to have players that complement each other. And I think we saw the best of that um, when we saw some of that midfield with, as you said, Gory Wheeler, Chidiac. Um, and I think it makes our, our defense, I know they're faulty, but it makes them bolder as well. Knowing that you've got players that are, are bold on the ball, it, it it's contagious, right? It runs through the team. So yeah, it's a it's a real positive. Couldn't have summed that up any better. If you would like my thoughts, they are on ESPN.com.au. Gotta get those cheeky plugs in. You guys have discussed the match really, really well. So I just wanted to highlight a couple of off-field things that obviously need to be discussed. First and foremost, we saw in Canberra after the game Ivy Lewick shaving her head for the Mark Hughes Foundation. She set up the fundraiser for her brother Noah, who was recently diagnosed with a brain tumour. Set a a mammoth task, let's be real, $30,000 in three days, and the football community only went and did it and Ivy obviously held up her end of the bargain, shaved her head with the help of her good mate, former teammate, Rebecca Stott, who knows all about this journey from her own personal experience. And Sam and I were there in Canberra and just watching it from the stands. It was a really beautiful moment. Both teams were huddled on the sidelines watching as well. And it was just a really incredible moment and a nice reminder of, you know, 
life's a lot bigger than people kicking a ball around as much as we love and enjoy it and dedicate whole podcasts to it. There's a lot bigger things going on. So that fundraising link, I'm pretty sure, is still open. Anything you can donate is obviously going to be massively helpful. So it's just a huge how good to Ivy Lewick. What a gal, what a player, what a person. I must say as well, one of the other my other favourite things was seeing the babies, the little Tillies in camp and all the social media content we got from that. Obviously, Baby Harper made her first appearance in the Matilda squad, but Harley Yollop as well was having an absolute ball and just getting to see all the players interacting with the kids. Even Tony was saying in one of his press conferences how much he admired the mums within the team and what they were doing and how lovely it was to have that real family vibe even more so than usual in the camp so we love to see that we mentioned babies being born here all the time so it was very very good and then obviously the the funniest moment of the two games uh Alana Kennedy breaking her nose that wasn't funny in itself but seeing herself on the big screen and then turning her face to assess the damage via big screen and her face telling the entire story, realising, oh no, my nose is no longer straight. That's not good. And 13,000 people in Canberra kind of laughing as they realise that you've realised that. It was very funny, but she's all fixed up now. But it was it was very funny to watch at the time. But that's kind of our Matilda's debrief. We're taking a little break now. We've done a lot of episodes in the last couple of months between A-League Women's and Matildas. So we're going to be taking a little break to rest, recharge. Angela's going to get some sleep, so am I. I think we all are, to be honest, but we can't thank you enough for tuning in. We want to thank all our guests that we've had throughout this season. It's been mammoth and fun and exhausting, but just awesome. So thank you we'll be back shortly hopefully with some new and exciting things and always the same women's football chat so we cannot wait as always we are on espn.com.au and the espn app you can find us on spotify apple and google wherever you get your pods leave a review subscribe if you like what we're doing we'll be at the far post pod on all social media to keep up with the bits and bobs that happen while we're taking a little break but Until then, see yous.